Hi again, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of Three Point Podcast. I'm Ted. On the phone is Matt, and I'm joined here in the studio by Jared, our young buck. Oh, we got another young buck here in the studio. University of Wisconsin Badger athlete Noah Jacobs. Also helping us out tonight are the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. Should be a fun night also as we're going to get in some pop culture. And my man Howard Stern, we're going to talk about him with Jason Fielder of WNEM TV, TV5 out of Saginaw. But uh, hey, where do we start, fellas? Well, I think uh, right now the hottest topic that everyone's talking about, the NBA playoffs, right, and uh, LeBron's run maybe finally coming to an end of what he's made seven straight NBA finals, and the Celtics are up 2-0 right now, and, and everything everything's pointing to that th- this might be the year that the Cavs don't make the finals. But like what we've talked about before and what I've said a bunch of times is I'm, I'm still not necessarily betting against LeBron. I feel like going back to Cleveland, they could win one, maybe even take two, and then who knows what's going to happen after that. But they're, they're going to have to do a lot more. They're playing so bad defensively, and the Celtics are playing really well. So, so things are going to have to turn around if, if the Cavs are going to pull this one out. Well, you know the old adage, Matt, uh, series doesn't start until uh, the home team loses at home. Right. I mean, I, I, I've heard that a bunch this week. That's kind of been like everyone's like calling card for why the Cavs aren't out of it. I 100% agree with that. And I, it, this quote that I heard from LeBron James just summed it up for me where he said, I have zero level of concern. That's just the truth. I have zero level of concern for the Cavs right now. Well, he said that, he said that after game one. So, I mean, he, he said that after, you know, that game one was pretty close. Game two was pretty terrible. I mean, he gave he, – that was one of his best playoff games, and they still lost by double digits. So, I don't know. I, I think that's just kind of almost like coach speak type of thing. Um, I mean, he, yeah, he's saying he's not concerned. That was after game one. Now they're down 2-0. I, I think in the back of his mind he's probably wondering what the heck his uh, role players are going to do for him. That, that was incredible how he had 21 of their 27 points uh, in the first quarter. But he, I mean, it's a classic blowing of your load too fast. He, you got if you're the Cavs, he's got to be able to get other people involved. Like I, I've seen it before, where they'll go to Kevin Love like three or four straight possessions to start off the game to get him going, and you see what happens when it's just kind of him playing hero ball to start. And you have J.R. Smith zero points and George Hill like five points. Well, you said he blew, blew his load, and so to speak, you're exactly right. You know, how many times have we seen an NBA champion? carried and won by one guy and that's all really Cleveland has going right now I mean really if you look at the modern era of the NBA and NBA championships you got you got usually have a trifecta just like this three-point podcast you got usually three superstar guys that win championships don't you usually I mean at least more than one and I think that's the biggest problem is everyone's always praised LeBron for being that that superstar that makes his teammates better and gets all of his teammates involved and everything like that. And he he usually does. I mean, he had a triple-double last night, so he usually does get some assists. But if you watch him, it's it's a lot of iso ball. It's a lot of give LeBron the ball, stand around, see what can happen, see what he can do. And a lot of times, especially last night, it goes well because he's a really good player. But the effort is the thing to me that, that just stood out. It didn't look like the Cavs were really trying hard, and if they're supposed to be a championship team, at least an Eastern Conference championship team, they don't look like it. And, and at least the Celtics, they might not have as much talent maybe as the Cavs, but they're playing a lot harder, and they look like they're a lot better coached. I mean, right now it doesn't look like the Cavs are going to win this series. I mean, if you just want to compare effort levels, like Marcus Smart plays harder than anyone in the NBA. Like he's diving all over the floor. He's making steals on plays that most – players defensively would just sit back and watch so I mean the Celtics definitely kind of have a a chip on their shoulder right now and saying like you know you've got LeBron James and maybe we're missing our two best guys but 
we can still come out here and play as hard as we want to every night and you know give it give it our all and the, exactly and you just look at it. they they are losing the energy battle i mean they 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 had, the celtics had more rebounds uh, points in the paint, second chance points, and they won the turnover battle. Where Cleveland had 15 turnovers. That's just way too many. That, that's just effort right there. It's effort and, and teamwork. And, I mean, I'm so impressed with this Celtics team. And how, how sweet is it to see, you know, the Lansing area, Grand Ledge, uh, former Comet, Horford, playing as well as he is playing right now. It's just amazing. Yeah, our uh, football coach, Kyle Robinson, he, he played on the same team. He was the uh, power forward to Al Horford. It, was he really? <laughs> <laughs> he said he drove Al Horford around uh, his entire senior year, and he hasn't seen a dime of the <laughs> Maybe payback oh, down the I'd road. I'd be hitting him up if I was him. No doubt. And another thing that, that stood out to me, and I saw the stat today, and I was thinking about it when I was watching the game, is just all the open looks that the Celtics were getting. It seemed like every shot that Terry Rozier was taking was wide open. They were getting a ton of wide open layups. And that's the type of thing to me that comes down to effort, like we were just saying. And a lot of that reflects on whoever your leader is. You know, you got role players looking at, a lot of people are saying this guy is the greatest player to ever play the game, LeBron James, and he's playing just as bad defense as anybody. So if you, if your leader is playing bad defense like that, that's going to reflect, and that's going to come around to all the other players when, when you're the, the best player on your team is playing poor defense like that too. The Celtics had 42 open looks to the Cavs' 11 open looks last night. I mean, that just comes down to effort to me. Oh, no doubt. Well, it doesn't help when you got Kyle Korver running around there as well. I mean, who do you expect him to cover on the Celtics team? Uh, same thing with Kevin Love. I mean, he's not a defensive standout either. No. He did shut down Steph Curry for that one big possession in the NBA Finals a couple years ago. Okay. Game seven. One, one big possession. <laughs> Good call there, Jared. That was a big possession. That's true. Did you guys see, like, J.R. Smith? Uh that like cheap shot he had on Al Horford. Oh, that was a complete cheap shot. I mean, that's ridiculous, and I love the way that the Celtics reacted to that too. They definitely had their man. They had his back. Yeah, Marcus Smart. I'm seeing like people talk about suspending him. That honestly makes no sense. Put him on the floor for 30 minutes a night. The guy can't <laughs> score. I mean, just look at this this roster up and down. I took I had to take a picture of this. It was so absurd. The, listen to these stats: J.R. Smith zero points, zero for seven. Larry Nance zero points, zero for one. Rodney Hood two points, one for two. That's that's actually not that bad. <laughs> but George Hill three points, one for three. Jeff Green six points, two for five, and then Jordan Clarkson he didn't even play. It doesn't sound like championship numbers to me. Of course, you had uh, LeBron with the the high triple double, but still one man does not do it. And that's the thing too. And another number to throw out there is I don't know if you. You guys, this is one of the new age analytic things is uh, usage rate, usage percentage. And so it, it kind of tracks how much, you know, the ball is in a player's hand or how much they're getting used, basically. LeBron's usage, usage percent last night was 47%. Basically half of the possessions, he's either scoring, assisting, or doing something with the ball. The highest Celtics player usage percent was Jalen Brown at 26%. Basically, what that what that shows me is that the Celtics are playing team basketball and moving the ball around and getting a lot of guys engaged and keeping them engaged in the game and making them want to take shots. Whereas the the Cavaliers are just sitting there watching LeBron, letting him do his thing, and then he passes it for an open look or whatever. So it's just it. Everyone's going to go crazy. LeBron, you know, he showed up to the gym early, and look at him. He's warming up with his shirt off and everything, and, oh, he got a triple-double. I'm not impressed. I mean, he's a great player, but, I mean, if he was if he was as great as people say he is, then he'd be, he'd be getting his teammates more involved than what he is. I'm still trying to recover from usage percentage right now. My brain is spinning. Well, I mean, you know, Matt, that you talk about team play. I was actually thinking that the 
Celtics right now look like the Spurs in the early 2000s and that they're just playing really well as a team. They obviously don't have the same superstars, but they're well coached and they're young, unlike the Spurs that Jared and I have kind of grown up watching and being that Tony Parker and Mono Ginobili are now pretty much done, that uh, yeah, that Celtics team is just moving the ball exactly. well and well coached, and they're just playing great fundamental basketball and doing the little things right. Exactly, and people just forget, like, Al Horford is probably the most underrated person uh, that's that's playing right now. I, I think he should have been on a – I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty here. But I think – I mean, all of us looking back, I think we can all say he should have been on an all-NBA team. I don't think he made one. No, you're right. I mean, he's playing tremendous basketball. And, again, we've talked about the coach, Brad Stevens, has put all the pieces together. You know, two of their star players aren't even dressed and even in action. And they're just – I would just absolutely love to see the Celtics win it all. I'm in love with that team right now. I don't know if that can happen, but I am in love with the Celtics. I was researching uh, the Celtics before this, and I just we've been seeing. I've been hearing a lot about Marcus Morris. Right, this guy, this guy is a weird dude. Him and his brother are a couple <laughs> his weird twin guys. Brother. Yeah. yeah. So this is a few of the things that they have. They they have matching tattoos entirely, hundred percent matching tattoos. Okay, that's a little like they their share, entire body. Yeah, it's hundred percent same tattoos. They have uh, they share a bank account. So all their which I I don't I don't hate that move actually. I kind of like that. And this is just me kind of guessing. I'm guessing they share girls as well. I that's just my guess. I mean, if you had an identical twin like that, you could probably pull some pranks and, and have some fun with it, couldn't you? But it, is, but it, isn't it? It's kind of like a psycho move. I, am I wrong? Getting matching tattoos? It's different, that's for sure. Maybe they were originally supposed to be Siamese twins. I know that's not the proper terminology to use nowadays. <laughs> I mean, my brother and I don't even run in the same shoes. So like, tattoos, <laughs> yeah. that's a little far. It's a little extreme. So how do you guys, do? You, if you had to make a prediction right now, do you see, is it, is it the Celtics time? I mean, Matt, I know Matt said earlier that he says the Cavs, he still thinks the Cavs are going to win it, but... I didn't say I think the Cavs are going to win it. I just said I, I can't bet against LeBron until someone beats them, but... Take a stance. I had to, if I had to make a pick, I'm thinking the Celtics are going to win it. It's just looking like that. I think the Cavs will probably win one, maybe two, but... Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with the home court. I don't think anybody can beat Boston other than Golden State in the Garden. I just think that that home court is going to pay off in the end. And this is an important stat, I think. Like, LeBron, I mean, when he starts off 0-2, he's 2-4 and in series where he starts off 0 and 2. So I think that, That's but I also telling. think, I think he's, I mean, he's pulling his punches a little bit still. I think he hasn't really let it all rip. Yeah, this is the same guy who went down 3 1 in the NBA Finals, which in the Pacers series, you know, uh, a reporter asked him what he thought, and he said, you know, I was down 3 1. I'm not really too concerned that the Pacers have won two games against me so far. Exactly. I, yeah, so. but when, when he was down 3 1, he also had Kyrie Irving on that team. So. That helps him out quite a bit. He doesn't really have a Kyrie Irving type of player I mean, on this team. That's true, but also, I mean, the Celtics aren't the Warriors, though, in the same breath. It's, it's the same sort of thing, though. You know, speaking of that, you know, we won't talk much about it because we're recording this podcast on Wednesday night. Only one game in the Western Finals have been played so far, but Golden State looked pretty good against Houston in Game 1 in Houston, didn't they? Yeah, it's a similar thing with the with the Cavs. I mean, the Rockets, they've been really successful with the way that they've played. They won over 60 games this year, but they, they basically just play iso ball and they had they had 44 isolation plays uh on offense in game one and they they on average had like 20 22 during the regular season so basically they doubled their isolation plays in game one and it's just not going to work against a team like the warriors because one thing that i was thinking about and I, i heard some people talk about it today and and it's kind of interesting is when you're playing isolation ball like that and you have harden or cp3 just in there dribble 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 for 20 22 seconds 
one thing that that is doing for the Warriors, for the defensive team, is that's letting the other three or four guys just sit there and, and rest. So they're they're just they're not having to do anything because the guys that they're guarding aren't cutting. They're not making moves to the basket. They're not running up the set screens. They're not doing anything like that. So basically, like Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you know, whatever guys aren't guarding Harden or CP3, they just get to stand there and rest for all the defensive possessions. So I don't really see how that's really an effective way to play offense. I mean, Harden's great, but it's not going to beat the Warriors. Yeah, and, and obviously we, we pre- you prefaced it, Ted, with saying that we're recording this on Wednesday, so right. there's obviously going to be a game tonight, which, so if that happens, just know that I called James Harden going off tonight. But, and who's going to win? Yeah, the Rockets are going to win. Okay. But, so, so this is like the problem, the Rockets. I mean, they, in, the, in game one, they had three fast break points compared to Golden State's 18, and you're just not going to win doing that. And I kind of feel like I'm the James Harden protector. You know, I'll die on this hill. As a matter of fact, I'll get crucified on this dang hill. But people are, like, bashing him for – did you see, like, the tweet or the text exchange between him and Chris Paul? Or, like, they talked about it where right. Chris Paul said, you know, did you see this happening in the game? And, and James said, you know, I'm out right now. Right. I mean, what do you expect from the guy? He He's not only a legend on the court or will be a legend, as some some say that he might not be. But he's also he's got his strip club rep to represent as well. <laughs> he's got his jersey and the banners. You can't just because it's the playoffs. You can't take nights off there. So the, I don't blame him for showing up. You know, right. taking a night off of watching the NBA and just going and let the uh, let the dogs. About out. the only thing, I, I'll give you the strip club reference, but uh, the, I'll give you that he's a tremendous offensive player. But it takes offense and defense to be a great player. On and he is lacking court. on well, you know, offense. Sure, on both, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> he is so incredibly terrible defensively it, it just it I love I almost love watching him play defense just so I can laugh at how much he just lets guys go by and he every time he lets a guy go by he tries to do that reach around move to like strip the ball from behind and I, I just don't understand how a dude can give that much effort on offense and be that good offensively he's one of the greatest scorers in that the NBA has ever seen and be that bad defensively. Yeah, you know, and I've seen a lot of guys that come into the league very, very skilled offensively, uh, but are also good defensively, or at least they learn how to play good defense. I think that Harden, there's no way at this point of his career, is there? He's got- I mean, I think Durant's one of those guys. Kevin Durant came yeah. in, and his, his offense has always been spectacular, but he wasn't necessarily a great defender early in, earlier in his career, and he's one of the best defenders, defenders in the league now. So you know, Harden just doesn't seem like he cares. Right. I, he's gotten a lot. I've heard he's gotten a lot better this year. So I think you've heard that, that. Have you? You haven't seen I, it. That's why. I mean, how often can I watch the Rockets? They're on. Na- I mean, they're on national TV. You know, they're on enough times. They're I, on enough. You're watching them in the playoffs. That's just something. If you're gonna sit here, a lot, I feel like that's a lot of NBA uh, like Twitter. There's like the few guys, like the few writers that watch like every other game, and they kind of make like generalizations, yeah. like. And you just kind of got to roll them because you haven't watched yeah, it. That's I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I've watched a ton of Rockets basketball. Right. And from what I've heard, James Harden is very good on it. hasn't not very good. He's improved, improved. on defense. So I, I think I don't know how much more of another step he can take, but he's saying, definitely at saying least he improved on his defense is like saying he went from batting 100 in a Major League Baseball season and now he's batting like 125. I mean, the dude had over 100 steals this season. He is awful defensively. He's contributing a little bit. I'm not saying that, like, he's going to lock a bunch of people up or that he's one of the greatest defenders out there, but he can guard a guy on a team, and, like, when it gets down to crunch time, I guarantee you Steph Curry's not just going to go right by him and get a free layup. Like, James Harden's going to play some defense. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I really do not think so. He, I mean, I've watched, I've watched enough of him and and heard the experts, quote unquote experts, talk enough about his game. He is, he is terrible defensively. Yeah, but he's going against the Warriors. I mean, what do you want? 80 percent of the league's gonna look terrible going against them. I mean, they're throwing three hundred and they have a goal of like three hundred passes a game. They're, they're they've only not hit that twice, and those are the, they're like two losses since they have had KD or whatever. And how do you guard a team that passes 300? That just that stat just popped off the screen. Oh, oh they're just amazing. They're, they're the way they move the basketball. I mean, they're they're phenomenal. They're one of the best of all time that I think I have ever seen. They really are, and that's one thing that I think about. I mean, just going back to what what I was talking about before is it it goes to show if you keep guys engaged in the offense, if you keep guys you know running around, setting screens, shooting the ball, it helps because you know. Their superstars, Thompson, Curry, I mean, Durant is kind of an isolation player, but their superstars don't need the ball in their hands all the time. Curry's running around, Thompson's running around, even Draymond, he runs around a little bit. So you keep guys moving like that, they're going to play. They're going to play well instead of just standing there watching Harden or watching CP3 dribble for 22 seconds. There was a possession the other night in game one. Harden dribbled the ball literally for 22 seconds, threw a behind-the-back pass to Ariza with one second left they on the shot clock, basically telling him, like, here, I don't want to throw something up. You do it. They got a shot clock violation. Yeah, that was terrible. That really was Wayne, terrible. if that's your offense. Well, yeah. You got to respect that. I respect that move. Keep the stats high. But <laughs> he's thinking about his field goal percentage. This is this is cracking me up. So during the game, I was like kind of sitting up uh, during the Warriors Rockets game. I was just sitting up there, you know, making dinner. Right. And my dad just like he was like like it was like one of those possessions where the ball was just pinging back and forth for like the Warriors. Right. And he just started like cracking up laughing. Like <laughs> I don't know if it was like the craziest move I've ever seen or appreciation. Guess, That's what it was. Guess, it, was it was the I, coach coming out in I, him. I guess just find something out there that makes you as happy as my dad is happy watching the Warriors play. <laughs> I love I, it. I love it. Before we move on from this topic, fellas, I want to get Noah's take on this because, you know, we've talked about it before, maybe ad nauseum about the top two or three players in the NBA and our list. It varies a bit, but it's uh, Michael, LeBron, and uh, Matt's take on Kobe. you got a diff- little bit different top three, don't you, Noah? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to name, like, in what order, but my top three of all time is Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Magic Johnson. You put them in whatever order. I'll back it up. Magic Johnson is one of the top three players of all time. <laughs> if I said that Magic Johnson was the number one player of all time, you would you would back that claim? over anyone else in that position, minus Michael LeBron. Yes, you could put him in the conversation. You could also slide Larry Bird in that conversation. I think. I think Kareem's better than both of them. You could put Kareem in that conversation. Okay, as well, well. You, I mean, are we just gonna throw everyone in the conversation? Or? Well, I mean, it's pretty tough not to put the all-time NBA leading scorer in Kareem. I mean, let's face it; he, may, he maybe doesn't get the accolades because he was a big guy, bigger than most. Could put that sky hook in, but he was a phenomenal basketball player. But where do you draw the line? Do you say, hey, we got to go with the Mount Rushmore with four? Why you could have five that could be legitimate, can't you? I think Possibly. for me, it's. Just- it's one Michael Jordan, two LeBron James, big gap. I thought you were. I thought you were a LeBron guy. I am, but at this point in his career, maybe when it's all said and done, I can put him ahead of Jordan. But okay. as of now, all right, you're, you're I would say finally coming two. off the dark side, Jared. I like it. I th- I think he's a be- I think he's a better player, but I can't argue with like the, their accolades. So that's where it's like I'll cede it to Jordan. Yeah, okay. he's number one. All right, but there's a big old gap. If you and I honestly think Magic Johnson may be top ten. And I will I will give you a little bit here that Jordan did play on a better team. Now, when LeBron was with Miami, look what happened. He had some superstars with him. 
when Jordan played, he had Pippen. He had that, their starting five was very Rodman, very good. Yeah. You know, and speaking of Rodman, I think that uh, Draymond Green reminds me of the type of player that Rodman was. The, you you got to have a guy like that on a championship team, especially a team with stars. Mm-hmm. I think he just fits in there perfectly. Uh, did you see Steve Kerr's comments during the game where he said that I couldn't play in this in yeah, today's game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and your thoughts? Pretty fair comment, really. I so mean, how, I saw Steve Kerr play, but again, he was more—he was more of—and again, we'll go back to the uh, the cliche, right? The white guy that could shoot. Kyle That's Corbin, what he yeah. was. Okay, I mean, he—he he was a solid player, and he fit in well with those Bulls teams and the other teams he was on. But he would have a hard time playing. He'd have a hard time keeping up speed wise. I, with this, I with said this that bunch. to my dad, like, "Wow, that pretty much ended like that whole argument, like the MJ, like that whole area era against this era." Yeah, and he—he he, he was immediately triggered. Well, that's what any coach would say. <laughs> that's just him. He knows these players are going to hear that. <laughs> All right, one one final thing, guys, on the NBA before we move on to the next topic. Uh, draft lottery happened this week. Pistons, well, what else is new? You know, no number one. They they don't draft till 42. You know, what's the future look like again for the Pistons? They just try to make some deals if they possibly can or, or just try to improve this bunch they have. I think uh, I think they're kind of stuck with the bunch they have right now because I think the contracts, I don't know if anyone will really want Blake Griffin's contract or Reggie Jackson's contract, and I don't know if they're really looking to move Andre Drummond, but I think they just kind of got to maybe add a couple more role players and try and build around Drummond and, and Griffin and hope that Jackson can stay healthy all year. But I, I did think it was funny that they had uh, Luke Kennard as their, their representative at the draft lottery. That was pretty funny, for sure. So I guess let me just ask you, what is, what's the successful – let me ask you this, Noah, because I've kind of already got Ted's and Matt's uh, take on it. But what would you consider like a, a successful season for the Pistons this year? Uh, I think the Pistons, they need to make the playoffs. And one thing that I really disagree with what Stan Van did is he always drafted these young players. And then when the team wasn't doing as well – I don't know why the young guys weren't getting more minutes in games and getting more game experience. Like, why do we draft these players to not play them? Or why did we get Boban Marjanovic to play him five minutes a game on a $7 million contract? Like, there are just some things that are absolutely unbelievable. Hey, you see a couple former Pistons getting a lot of playing time for the Celtics, right? Yeah, and Morris Twins, one of them, and Baines. Baines. I always liked Baines. I thought he was pretty good. Not a Baines guy. Not a Baines guy? Nope. No, yeah, He's you're, a you're alone on that island. <laughs> All right. All right, let's drop off that topic and just remind our listeners, Rivals Tap House and Grill, one of our great sponsors. Great spot to meet up with your friends, catch your favorite sporting events, including the Preakness, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. They have weekly food and drink specials, including great burgers, wings, and pizza, along with a whole bunch of other great stuff. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill, located on the corner of M. 21 and Shiawassee in Corona. And also I see now that they're getting live bands in there. So a great spot to go, Jared, whenever you become of age to go there on a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, for sure. That's it is one downfall of uh, not quite being 21 is you cannot quite go to places like that. But you still have the Wayside available. Yeah. (laughs) Very trustworthy. Very trustworthy. (laughs) All right. I know you want to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming Preakness, right? Yeah. uh, So first off, I think we should preface it with saying, you know, obviously sports, sports gambling got legalized, which, you know, it's going to take some time for Michigan or whatever, like Matt, South Carolina, to put it into legislation. But you know something that really pissed me off this weekend? Mm Mm-hmm. So I've been using this off offshore uh, betting app, and I had my bookie recommended like, yeah, I don't know if you're actually gonna be able to get your money out of uh, out of it. Mm-hmm. So to be to be honest, like I only had like twenty bucks in there because I 
I earned a lot of money. If you remember from the Super Bowl, I had like $400 in there after right. that, that long shot. But it's all gone. <laughs> it's all gone to $20 now. It's all gone from betting or just disappeared Just from secretly. betting. So, okay. I, so there's okay. $20 in that account right now. Yeah. Just thank God that it's been legalized. because. So I tried to pull it out, and they go, well, yeah, we have your money, but uh, it's gonna it take, you have to go through all these hoops, like passport, all these hoops to jump through oh, to hell, get it out. Hell, you might as well bet it now. <laughs> this is what this is what that kind of ruins the point doesn't it you can't get the money out this kind of defeats the purpose of betting am i wrong here so i'm just sick thank god what a scam those guys have going they're geniuses i thank god i never won like a million like ten thousand dollars and had to hunt it down what am i gonna do take a trip to right you'd never to, see like the bahamas and try to fish it out i don't th- that's just absolutely ridiculous all right jared got his offshore rant out of the way now what do you think about the new the new uh, law and regulations coming in. You pretty pumped I about it? I love it. I am pumped at the. I've heard that people like town, like the local gas stations are going to have them, uh, like just like betting slips. No, I haven't heard on. that officially. That's I what I. That's what. That's a rumor I'm hearing that it's like in England. That's kind of like the setup they have. You can just go into the local gas station and place some bets. I'm excited for that, but I'm also pretty worried about that. I don't know. Like, so if I'm driving by. So, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if, if they do it that way, that's one option, and they'd probably have the state lottery commission run it, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like they do lottery, lottery now. But I heard that they also might still do it like they do in Vegas and other places that have casinos. Is They'll have a sports book set up, like Soaring Eagle, Fire Keepers, these I'm Indian, sure do it both ways. Indians casinos. Wouldn't you think? Or no? Or do they have to, it has to be one or the other? No, I don't think it has to be one or the other, but I haven't heard anything officially. That's all I'm saying. I'm a little ignorant of how for sure it's going to be set up. Okay. So, from what I – so, I, yeah, we'll see. I mean, time will tell. I, I guess right. I, anyone's guess is as good as anyone's. I don't know if that's the right way to put that for saying. but So, anyway, I'm, I love the move. It's very interesting to see, like, if I could just stop in the gas station and pick up a be. betting slip. Right. But also very nervous about that. Am I just going to be driving home? Uh, you know, late when I get an itch, and then there goes twenty dollars right there. I just worry that it's it's a dangerous. Mix, are you but worried so you won't easily. get paid, or are you worried you'll tap out and become addicted to it? Yeah, possibly addicted. Okay. I mean, oh, if no. I know if I know Jared well, he's going to become like he's going to win one, and he's going to get super hungry for it, and then he's going to keep going back, and bad things might start to happen. Well, well that's the, the risk with with any kind of gambling, anyway. Because let's face it, the house always wins in the end. You know, what? that's a good. I was actually kind of thinking about this today. Why don't I like become a bookie? There What's you go. stopping me from doing that? Oh. Maybe that could be your future job. You can study that in school. I mean, it'll be out of business. It'll be a short-lived <laughs> life. It'll be out of business in a couple of years. But could be. What do you think, Matt? What do you hear? Uh, I'm just thinking that it, it's one of those things that if people, I mean, it hasn't been legal obviously for a while, and and you know people have been having to go to Nevada or or get like Jared the offshore accounts or you know go to Costa Rica or whatever. But if people weren't interested in gambling before, maybe they will a little bit more. But I don't think it's really going to change a whole lot. I mean, you might have some people who. You know, when like like Noah said, they might win a couple bets and get addicted to it or something like that. But I feel like it's going to be like a slow burn type of thing. Like the states that do uh, let these uh, sports books pop up, you know, they they might think that all of a sudden a ton of revenue is going to start pouring in. But you know, it took it took Las Vegas a while for it to turn into what it is. So, and and that was mainly because it was the only place that you could do that in the U.S. So, 
I don't know. I'm curious to see like how it affects Vegas. I mean, I have a bunch of friends who every weekend, the, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, they've been going to Vegas for like, I don't know, 10, 15 years or something, because like that's the weekend to go to Vegas. There's usually a big boxing match that weekend. There's the NCAA tournament. So you just go there and go to the sports book and hang out all day. So if, yeah, if you can go up to Mount Pleasant and do that at Soaring Eagle or something, then yeah, maybe that'll be maybe that'll be something that brings some money into the States. Yeah. In fact, that Vegas trip you're talking about, that's that's definitely on my bucket list to do that someday. I think that would be a blast. You know, I don't get a big thrill out of doing the slots, but man, going to the sports book, having fun, watching on all the TVs, being pumped up for all these finishes of games in March Madness. How awesome would that be? I mean, yeah, but I guess the cool thing is you could have that experience here in Michigan. Right, now, right. Within, as long as the law passes within the next couple of years, I would think. I think though that your idea to have it in the convenience stores, have it in the the like the bars that have the keno right now. Probably the best way to go, and probably the best way to go to have the state generate money. You know, they're talking about using money to help the schools, using the money to help the road infrastructure. You're going to get a lot more yeah. money coming in the coffers. You're if, welcome. If, you're, if it's easy to go to these places, and that's, I think that's what would be uh, that would probably be the coolest thing. You know, go to like a Buffalo Wild Wings, or how about Rivals? What? Go to Rivals, rivals and absolutely. They, and they got uh, betting like a key. How dare you say thing. Buffalo Wild Wings on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no free ads. Rivals. <laughs> Only. But something that I'm kind of worried, Noah, I want to get your take on this as, as the the only one with enough talent to play a college sport of the crew. Are you are you worried at all about potential insider betting of like guys blowing games, maybe potentially blowing a race if there ever is like a cross-country betting? That's a tremendous point. That was in my notes, too. What do you think about that in college athletics? I mean, I definitely think that would be a, a very vulnerable point because, you know, NBA players are already making so much money in professional sports, but... If you get one of the large donors to a university to say, "Hey, you know, let's uh, let's have Virginia lose to UMBC," let's say that, and like you know, he can go make a bunch of money off that, and he pays off the coach or some of the players. Yeah. Like those guys can get a huge profit off of it. So that could definitely mess up NCA sports. Well, and- I think if the NCA sports is part of this package, right? And we've talked about it on this podcast before. Then all college athletes got to get paid something. You you, you got to pay them. Because it's the temptation is just going to be there, especially on the big sports, you know, the basketball, football, whatever. Yeah. The temptation is going to be there to fix games with all that money now going to be involved. I don't know. I think there, that would have to be a part of the package that they're going to have to come up with a plan where these college athletes are going to get paid. And I, it, it, I think it ha- still happens now, even with it. So I, I don't think there's going to be. It might jump a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it still already happens. I mean, right. we saw it with like UNLV and stuff like that. And it might not eliminate the temptation still because we're talking. We're, I mean, we're talking big, big money, you know. And and greed is certainly the root of all evil. I mean, that's such an old saying, but it's so true. I mean, we see it right now politically and so many other places that you know, big money does a lot of strange things to people. Yeah, you know. I think that's what people will find out quickly is, I mean, you, you said it earlier, there's a reason that Vegas is the way it is with all the flashing lights and everything, is the house usually wins. Vegas isn't stupid. They, you know, you see all the bad beats that always happen and stuff like that. And I think people will find out quickly that the easy is just throwing down some money on a game and you're going to become a millionaire. Yeah, it's no different, Matt, than the, the people that put down money for these super lottos. You know, oh my goodness, it's $363 million. How much money do you think they make off of that, the, the, the states out there? Yeah. They're way ahead of the game. We might have now. I just had a great idea. Okay. We, we might have to cut this, wink, wink. <laughs> but, Noah, a few years from now, man, might have to uh, link up and uh, 
you know, a wink, business wink. venture. Yeah, a business venture. There you go. <laughs> Interesting proposal. Maybe I'll see if uh, you know I can get a Jacobs Insurance sponsored vehicle and we can you know go cross country. Yeah, he slipped it in there the first time. Way to go, <laughs> Jacobs Insurance. Great, great insurance. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Also, speaking of gambling, now we already know you won in the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Now, enlighten all our listeners on your strategy for the Preakness. So what I'm thinking is, I think I'm going to go with the two. See, like the, the odds like change every two seconds. That's what I, I know. That's why I can't. I'm going to have to place a bet here. But what is so? First off, j- justify. He's at four to not, four, four to nine. To nine yeah. So that mean you bet you four dollars, you, you win nine, nine. back. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So free picks to people. Definitely one of these two is going to win. I'm going with justify at four to nine odds. He's a favorite. Uncle Ted. Jotting him down. I'm like the lucky charm. Trust me. I, I'm I have not great trusting luck. your dad anymore or his bookie. Yikes. And then this one, I this one, I'm not sure. I just looked up the odds and it ju- like swap. Noah, do you have a copy of the odds on you by chance? Uh, so you said ones. that Justify was uh, four to nine, and whatever CBS Sports website yeah, I had yep. said that it was one to two. So I'm can not going like, to be super accurate. So I also I also like uh, Bravazo at four to one, but I just saw it today he was at like twenty five to one. So that's yeah, where I'm seeing twenty to one. Yeah, right now. it's con- but that was, this was an hour ago. So what do you have for good magic? Good magic is at thir- three to one. Yeah, that's so that's those are my those are my two. Yeah, so good magic at three to one odds. Ooh, I had good magic five to one, so it's changed. You didn't place a bet yet, though. I know. So I'm, are I'm you going to follow screwed. my bets? You better. I'm no, I, you. I already told you my strategy. I don't know if I'm going to follow your bets. I probably will put something down on Justify because I my new strategy is I'm gonna I'm gonna bet the favorite. And then I'm going to pick a pick a you know one with different odds, and I'm going to at least try to earn my money back at least. I'm telling you, there's two guys with odds that are way better than the rest, and that's uh, Good Magic and uh, Justify. Take those two, split your money, take those two. So Good Magic's three to one. There's right no now. way two of those two guys don't win. One of those two guys okay. don't win. I mean, I got to tell you, after watching, that's my boy Jared with your uh, your little bookie app here. Yeah. You need to take it, and just like in That's My Boy, how he throws 20 bucks on Tubby Took at 8,000 to 1. Oh, yeah. You know, you just got to go for it, and maybe you can end up really big with that app, and, you know, you might have to jump through some hoops to try and get it back, but if not, you know, what's the loss? You That's just... a good thing about horse betting is that it's actually, I can actually get it out. Whereas with, yeah, like I said, the offshore crap, I, it's it's forever gone. It's still, you just pushed a button of mine, I'm triggered again. It's gone. So, really, so gone. you're really thinking that one of three horses could win, then, right? You, the top three favorites. Uh, Bravazo, no, no, no way. No chance. I got weird odds. <laughs> someone just someone's trying to trick somebody into taking that guy. Okay, and, but no, it's it's these are the winners. I'm well, telling you right here. Well, Justify bu- and good magic. All right. Well, I might take you up on it. I'm gonna I'm gonna study the sheets a little bit more too and check with the experts. But that's a good tip right there. You got an expert right here. I don't know why you need to look up experts, but fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Before we wrap this segment. Uh, you know, it's a little bit off topic, but uh, we just found out that MSU got the word that uh, they're going to be paying out what five hundred million to the victims of Larry Nasser, and it's going to come from tuitions and taxpayers. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I mean, the total is five hundred million, but it's actually four hundred twenty-five million right now for the victims who have already come forward, which is 332 victims. It's just insane to hear that number, 332. And the other $75 million is set aside for future victims that might come out. So they're, they're basically saying that they're uh, anticipating more victims coming out and saying that they were, they were abused by this guy who Michigan State enabled and basically allowed to let this happen for over 20, 20 years. And it's just insane to me that the way that they're going to – pay for this. Their solution to this 
is by tuition, by basically making the students pay for it and taxpayers. And it's almost like punishing the students and taxpayers for something that one of their employees did on their campus, and they allowed him to do for over 20 years. And it, it, when I saw that, it just blew my mind that that was their solution. But, I mean, Michigan State, they have a, like a $2 billion or $3 billion endowment, something that they could just pull from that fund, pay, pay the fine, pay the, the victims off, and just move on. And it just seems like they're handling it again in such a wrong way. Say that. And I saw, too, that the freshman class coming in in 2018-2019 next fall is the biggest freshman class in the history of Michigan State. So I see that, and that just makes me think that they see that they're going to have to pay this big fine. They're paying it by tuition. They already said that they're going to probably pay with it to, with tuition. So what English. are they doing? They're accepting more students into their school. It, it's just it, that university right now is such a joke to me, and I, I don't know how people can just sit there and, and blindly be loyal to, to the coaches and the people who are involved with it. Pull the scholarships. Say that, say that dollar figure one more time that's in the endowment. Um, I'd have to look it up. It's either two or three billion dollar endowment. And why? I 100% agree with you. Why are they not paying it out of that? And they must they must have some kind of liability insurance that they're able to get too, don't they? I'm not I sure. Guess. I mean, I'm not sure on that. But it's it's just strange to me that that is their solution. That they think that they can charge or raise tuition and, and use tuition to pay for this fine. That's ridiculous. And I, I'll throw this editorial point out there right now, too. College education nowadays is really, the cost of it is, it's just completely insane. i got to give kudos to Jared. He's playing it right. Both these guys are, actually. Jared. Yeah, uh, Noah, yeah Noah definitely a little bit more. <laughs> Noah's got the scholarship at the University of Wisconsin, and Jared used a, a plan over at Corona where, what basically, you get two years of college for free, right? Yeah, two years of college free. I mean, that's, that that's an deal. incredible program. What do they call that over there? Fifth year. Fifth year. I mean, it's just awesome. And then on top of that, you got some scholarships you got this week. You you got it put in front of you nicely. But it, the cost of a college education, if Joe Blow wants to go out there and uh, you know get a, a, a bachelor's degree, what's that? About fifty grand nowadays. They looking at out of pocket. That's crazy. Are you well, talking uh, per year? Because I want to say like in state, Michigan State's probably about twenty five thousand a year. Yeah, so you're talking yeah. about a hundred thousand dollars for in state, and then whole... if you wanted to be a person who decided they were going to go out of state, you pretty much at least put it to 40000 a year. And then think about what kind of job you got to get to pay that back in a reasonable amount of time and be ahead of the game. It's it's getting very difficult out now, there. Now, let me – I mean, this is something that we don't know, and my computer is freezing, of course. does this every week. Uh-huh. But is it – so, like, do we know how much, like – what is that, like, how much money would that be adding to everybody's tuition? That Just, I don't know. Because, I, I, like, I mean – What, they got 40,000 students so over 40, there or something 000, like that? So I, I'm no mathematician. Noah, you're very good at math. To uh, make up the 500 million? Yeah, 500 yeah. million, 40,000 students. With the – uh, 40,000 students. Um, I mean, it's probably, it's not an exact, you know, equation that they're going to just add on a certain amount, you know, it might be just freshmen, it might be something with scholarship students, you know, right. who knows, but it is a, it is a $3 billion endowment, and MSU last year alone brought in almost $900 million in tuition, so it, they're, they're going to raise tuition, and I, I just don't understand how their solution is to pull from students who had nothing to do with this, and to pull from taxpayers who had nothing to do with this situation, and it's almost like they're not—they're still not admitting guilt. They're just going to place the blame and make other people pay for it, and, and hopefully just sweep it under the rug. This is a pretty it family. Sounds, yeah, I was it, just going to say this is a pretty fam, family-friendly podcast, but it's bullshit. I That's mean, it sounds it really bad on the surface, but I just did the math. Like we obviously the numbers aren't exact. Right. Who knows? I 
Honestly, they probably have like between twenty five. It's going to go up. I'm going to tell you that but right it's, now. I mean, one hundred one hundred twenty five dollars. Right. Five First million divided by forty thousand. Five million or five hundred. Supposed to be five hundred. Five hundred million. Oh. If it's five hundred, well, I, I did it too. It's about <laughs> twelve not grand. Going to school for a math. Education. Yeah, it's about twelve grand per. If you're just looking at strictly the student. Okay. Population. Well, let's just say that it's a disaster over at MSU, all right? It's just ridiculous. We're going to be hearing more about that story. And, uh, you know, I just feel so bad for everybody that was involved in that situation. And now, unfortunately, it looks like uh, we may end up paying for Larry Nassar's uh, evilness, if you will. All right, before we move on to finish up with some pop culture and Jason Fielder, we want to remind everybody that the Corona Connections part of our posse here on Three Point Pod. It's a direct mail paper sent to all of Corona Vernon and Shiawassee County parts of Lennon, and they're participating in a big event. Actually, they're sponsors of a big event coming up this Saturday, May 19th. It's the Corona Amazing Race. And if you ever watched the Amazing Race on television, it's along those same lines. Teams of two will decipher clues, travel to different area businesses at different intervals, and win some great prizes. Entry fee is only 20 bucks for a team of two. It all starts at Corona's McCurdy Park on this Saturday. For more details, check out the Corona Connection. Hello, hello, and hey now. It is a great day, it is. I am one of the millions of Howard Stern super fans. You could even say, it's my favorite. Today, the king of all media signed a five-year deal to stay at Sirius, and I am on cloud nine. So this sportscast is dedicated to Howard and the best radio team of all time. Let's begin in Ann Arbor, where the Wolverines flexed their musculature over northern Kentucky. Ricky Doyle playing like a wild laminal it is. Oh, my. Wolverines with a nine-point lead. Doyle, by the way, scored nine points. Then Duncan Robinson, he's as bad as can, and he knows he's the best. Knocks down a triple, six of eight from three-point range. He leads all scorers with 18. And finally... Karis LeVert, you know what to do. You know what to do. He goes ack-ack on the rim. LeVert with his first career triple-double, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. U of M takes it 77-62. to They'll go for win number nine on Saturday against Youngstown State. To the NBA where, believe you me, the Pistons are really close to being a legit contender. They just got to be more prevalent, or as Sal would say, prevalent, at playing basketball. Last night, the Pistons blew a three-point lead late in regulation, then lost to the Clippers in overtime. With 19 seconds to go, J.J. Redick nails a three to tie it and force OT. Then if only Andre Drummond could say, whoa, 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 stop the clock. Maybe he wouldn't have double-teamed Blake Griffin in the high post, which left Jamal Crawford open from deep for what ends up being the game-winning three-pointer. Now, after the game, Stan Van Gundy basically says to his best player, don't be stupid, you moron. Andre decided to just do something that was not in our plan whatsoever. I have absolutely no idea why he decided to run up to the free throw line and make Marcus sink and leave Crawford open. I have no idea. Stan, you've said it all. The Pistons will try to get back on track tomorrow night at the Palace against Boston. Well, the Red Wings got caught in a tsunami last night, giving up two late goals and losing to Buffalo. And Let's cut to the chase. They're having issues closing out games. The Wings have blown third-period leads in nine of their last 14 games, but they won a healthy portion of those contests, which is crazy. They're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference standings. They just need to figure out how to get the poison out of their system 
late in games. We've been playing a little bit sloppier uh, lately, you know, so, uh, you know, maybe this was a little wake-up call here and uh, uh, just got to get back to, uh, you know, playing, playing the right way for, um, for 60 minutes. The Wings have a few days before their next game, so they can load up on eggplant parm and party before taking on Vancouver on Friday. The Lions have been eliminated from the playoffs, and while there are a lot of personnel moves that led to this team not being good enough, I want to focus in on one of the team's biggest missteps, the first round of the 2014 NFL Draft. I'm saying this with peace and love, peace and love. The Lions probably should have let Techno Beaver make this choice, or maybe even Bobo, because Bobo's not so stupid, you know. But instead, it was the now-fired Martin Mayhew. He messed up worse than Jackie did when he quit the show. Last May, the Lions needed help in the secondary and on the offensive line. Their two starting defensive tackles were both in the final year of their contracts, but instead of filling those holes, Mayhew basically said, whatever, dude, and took tight end Eric Ebron. Here's a look at the picks that were made right after Detroit grabbed Ebron at number 10 overall. With the 11th pick, the Titans took Taylor Lewan. He's now the Titans' starting left tackle. He's reliable like Ronnie. He comes to work every day. Started every game this season. He protects Marcus Mariota's blind side. At 12, the Giants went with Odell Beckham. He's like a machine, one of the top wide receivers in the game. The Rams got Aaron Donald at 13. He's one of the league's top defensive tackles. His professional life is at a nine. I don't know what his personal life is. And at number 14, the Bears picked up cornerback Kyle Fuller. Now, his older brother, Corey, plays for Detroit. So all the Lions had to do was ask Corey about Kyle. They'd get tons of inside knowledge. All Kyle did was lead rookies in interceptions and forced fumbles last season. That'll do it for me. And before I go, I just want to say Tan Mom is a member of the WAG Pack. Good luck to Rappaport's Delight in the playoffs. And Robin, thank you for still being with us. I'm Jason Fielder. Bye for now. Well, you heard the clip there, and uh, our special guest, Jason Fielder of WNEM TV5. And the reason I brought him on tonight, the guys know I happen to be a humongous Howard Stern fan. I think he's a genius when it comes to the world of broadcasting. And, Jason, I guess you're a little younger guy than me, but uh, you have a little love of Howard and his show, don't you? Yeah, I really do. It really started, I think, back in 2006 or 2007. The vehicle, I got a vehicle that had Sirius in it and um, you know that was very new then and I, the Stern Show was one of their big featured things. Sirius XM wasn't nearly as big as it is now and I just started listening to it because there wasn't much else on that I, that I liked and I got hooked and maybe in the last 12 years or so, 13 years, there was a break that I took when I got rid of that vehicle and I didn't have it and then I got back into the show probably four or five years ago, and I, I don't miss an episode. I listen to every single one. It might take me some time because I use the app, and if I'm busy and have things going on, um, I, you know, I, I, won't, I definitely don't listen live, rarely, because I don't get up that early because I work second shift. But he is the greatest broadcaster of all time. I think he revolutionized radio. And while the show isn't as good now as it was in its heyday, I think it's still the best um, radio show that's out there. No offense. I mean, you guys are doing a podcast. But <laughs> yeah, no, tonight we are. No, no offense to anybody else, but I mean, it's still the most entertaining radio show there is. And when he was at his peak, um, some people disagree on when his peak was, whether it was in the 90s or early 
2000s, but for me, it was his early satellite days, and uh, there was just so much laughter and funny moments, and he's provided so much uh, of that for me and entertainment that, you know, he could he could probably he could coast into retirement if he wanted to, but I'll still listen. Yeah, you know, a little side note for Jared here. You talked about 2006, uh, Jason. Your mom, Jared, actually, in 2006, Howard announced he was leaving terrestrial radio and going to satellite. She got me a serious radio, one of those plug-and-play radios that go in your car. And I knew Stern was coming to uh, Sirius at the time, so I hooked that up. And specifically, I signed up for the, for the service because of Howard Stern. So your mom, in a way, that's back when we used to exchange gifts for Christmas as the adults. So she got me hooked into it. No, I, I know who Howard Stern looks like. I've never really, like, taken a lot of time to listen to his show. What? What would you say, like, so if there was, like, a certain, like, clip maybe on YouTube, uh, Jason, like, what should I look for? If, if, like, what's his best work? Is there something that sticks out to you? you? If I were you, Jared, what I would do is go rent his movie Private Parts. There you go. That, okay. that really discusses his life story up until the late 90s, um, as, from when he went from nothing to what really made him the greatest radio broadcaster of all time and and that, that will catch you up from there. And then after that, um, I would just, yeah, go to YouTube and Google, you know, top, or just Google top 10, top 20 Howard Stern moments. Okay. And read them and see if you can find YouTube clips behind it. But the, the first thing I would go to is rent the movie Private Parts, which is an amazing movie. I think even if you're not uh, a big Howard Stern fan or don't know much about him, I think people can still enjoy that movie and, and find that movie amusing and you'll learn about him and his history through that movie. I'll tell you another tip too, Jared. Uh, Stern used to simulcast and his, the video was on the E! channel and I think you can find some of those E! shows on YouTube also. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out when I get home. Now back, sure. to, back to Jason though. You've become kind of a, a media celebrity yourself with some of your takes. We, we had the, the clip before we got you on here, but what, what was the, the influence on putting that on the air? What made you think about doing that? Well, if, are you referring to the sportscast? Yeah. December? Okay. Yep. That was the – so basically that morning um, I woke up and I actually did listen because everybody was talking about how – that was their last show before they go on their Christmas break in 2015, or maybe the second-to-last show. And everybody was talking about a big announcement. I knew the contract was up, and people were wondering, is he going to retire or is he going to renew for, you know, whoever, who knows how long. He was on five-year contract, but he announced that he was doing another five years in Sirius. And I was just really happy because, again, I, just, I find his show entertaining. I never miss a show. And I listened on my, my serious app. And uh, um, so I was happy about it. And I, I was working, you know, in that time of the year, there's not much sports going on. I think high schools are on break. And, you know, it's a downtime for colleges. Like the, the college football teams are doing bowl practices, maybe. Basketball is kind of just getting started. They might even be on break. So I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to – think of throughout the day i just thought of like different stern show references and i wrote them in notes on my phone and then when i put my sportscast together that night i knew i was anchoring that night i'm not the main anchor for sports here so it's not like it happens all the time and then i just thought okay i'm gonna do a tribute 
to Howard Stern signing a new contract and just working a bunch of references. And I don't think anybody else had done a, a sports cast like that for Howard. Now, tons of people have done like Seinfeld and different other shows, um, just, you know, doing it as an ode to like different performers, different shows. I mean, a few years ago, I did one for Pearl Jam that got some, some, some play. I think it's on my YouTube channel. And I, I know Fox Sports called it like the national sportscast of the day. I think that was like back in like 2012 or 13. But Sweet. because I, I knew about the history and knew about the different one-liners and the different, you know, nicknames and the different, just everything about the Stern Show and its universe, um, I just thought that that would be something that would be fun and interesting to do. And never in my wildest dreams did I think people outside of this viewing area would see it, let alone be played on the Stern Show with Howard and Robin and Fred all laughing from some of the stuff that I said. Yeah, they loved that appearance, by the way. I mean, it was it was incredible. And the feedback you must have gotten on your Twitter or your, your text must have been hot. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I gained a lot of Twitter followers from that day. And then, you know, before that and then even since then, I did a lot of tweeting about the show. And, you know, a lot of times the Stern Show Twitter account would retweet me or, like, you know, feature what I wrote, different things that I wrote, um, sometimes even in stories that they posted on their website. So from that, though, I just gained a lot of Stern Show followers. And so since then, I kind of kept up on my talking about the show and social media. And, you know, I've gained a lot of Stern Show followers on Twitter since then. I've done a couple other Stern Show-related um, stuff on air, whether I mention Yucko the Clown or... <laughs> Shout out to Will Murray for winning the Stern Fantasy Football League a couple years ago. Um, I did a, a Flat Ronnie sportscast once where after I got a Flat Ronnie, <laughs> Howard Stern, which if people don't know what that is, it's just like a, a big stand-up life-size cardboard cutout of Howard Stern's limo driver. driver slash security guard. And I, they gave me that from my sportscast in December 2015. So like four, five, six months later, I brought it into the studio with me and just did like a couple of different you know highlight clips featuring flat ronnie with me and you know dropped some of his lines his, his um you know his, his lines that aren't too vulgar you know since it is broadcast television and then you know just the thing that happened you know this morning from the sportscast that i did over the weekend where i you know referenced baba Bowie's first pitch and mama monkey gary did not like that he was not happy with me. I mean, but it, it, it is the ultimate to have Celebate, <laughs> a.k.a. Bobby Bowie, say F you, Jason Fielder. <laughs> yeah, he said something else that was really nasty, too, but that was hilarious. That's why I decided, I thought I'd got to reach out to you, Jason. It's an awesome story, and uh, I just love the whole Stern Show connection, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome for you. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I, you know, the other cool thing about it is, um, so after... The stuff that happened in December of 15 and then the Flat Ronnie thing in 16, early 16, Jason Kaplan, one of the producers of the Stern Show, reached out to me via Twitter and said, man, everybody loves your stuff that you do and, you know, your, not only the video references on air, but, like, you know, your, your tweets and everything about the show. Man, the next time you're in New York City, get a hold of me and I'll give you a tour. Oh, wow. Of the, of the Stern Show and the compound. So in January of 2017, my wife and I took a vacation to New York City, and 
So one of the days I got to meet up with Jason, and they were off. I made sure they were off because I knew that they would keep me busy on you know show days, Monday through Wednesday. So I think it was a Thursday morning that I went on there, and I met like I met Sal, I met Richard, I met Mamet, I met Will, I met Jason, I met some of the oh uh, Steve Nowicki. Um, you couldn't get an appearance on the wrap-up show. I did not. You know, Will actually was funny as Will said, are we getting him on the wrap-up show? And Jason said, no, I wish we could, but you know how that's out of, you know, our hands. And uh, Will was just kind of like, oh, man, that would have been great. Well, maybe next time. But, yeah, I mean, that would have been cool. But at the same time, just being there and seeing. um, So they they, they did have a live show the day before. And so Jason Kaplan took me into the actual studio. It was just he and I, and then I went behind Howard's desk where Howard broadcast from, and, like, stood there. I didn't touch anything. Yeah, you didn't sit in his chair, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. He had his notepad, and he had, like, different doodles and stuff that he had done, like, while Robin does her news. You know how times, like, Robin will do her news, and he'll, like, eat, or he'll, like, you know, do whatever. I mean, he comments on stuff, but it was really cool. And then seeing all the artifacts that they had on the wall, like, the Beetlejuice, bronze mask um i saw like the gary puppet or the jackie puppet i saw the gary mask all <laughs> kinds of those relics oh the little uh, mini eric the actor bobblehead that robin has in wow. her little studio i mean right. i got to see all of that so it was really really cool and something that i'll never forget well i'm jealous that's for sure now i'll tell you we're talking with jason fielder normally he's a he's a sports guy but we had to get a little howard stern in our pop culture segment here tonight if you don't mind jason i'd love to have you back on sometime talk sports especially what goes on on friday nights when you guys put together the highlight shows and i know you guys cover high school sports in mid-michigan like a blanket so really appreciate you joining us tonight sounds good thanks for having me on All right, I really appreciated Jason's thoughts on Howard Stern. You guys know how much of a fan I am. I really think he is a broadcasting genius. They call him the king of media for a reason. I mean, he's just, he is my age group, so I know I'm I'm biased, but... He is, he's really fantastic. Yeah, that entire uh, segment, it was kind of like an inside joke you guys had. It like, was. I, I was like, I, I wasn't really sure what was going but, on. But but I, I always do give you movie tips, right? Uh-huh. Take his tip. If you haven't seen Private Parts, okay. check it out. We'll it, do. It'll, it'll, and Stern, by the way, he was in uh, Detroit for a period of time at one of the big 50,000-watt FM stations down there back in the early 80s and really got a huge break there before he moved to the big time. All right, well, before we wrap up pop culture, the latest thing what is this, this Yanni Laurel thing going on right now? Somebody explain that to me. It's just this this video that I don't know who put it on Twitter originally or how it started, but somebody just said vote, and it plays this this, this little sound play, clip. I'll play, it for, I'll play it for the listeners right now. All right, now before we comment, I know a lot of people out there listening have listened to it, right? And I know, Matt, you might have some inside technical geeky stuff you want to explain to our listeners, but do we all want to say what we think it said the yeah. first time we listened to it? I thought it was Yanni. Oh, my. That's L- what I Laurel. thought. I've, I've heard Laurel every single time, and I've everyone heard, talks Yeah, I've about heard it. Laurel every single time. And I've heard Yanni every single time. So- what I gather from that is that it's just your old age and you can't hear. <laughs> well, I did do a little experiment at work today with a couple of the office girls. I said, come in here and listen to this. One heard Yanni, one heard Laurel. What were the ages of these two girls? Uh, well, one was close to my age, but the other one which, was probably Matt's age. And which one heard Laurel or Yanni? 
Uh, the older one heard Yanni. Yeah, you, I think we just you sold it right there. You did. I mean, well, that, that's the funny thing. That it's actually the other way around. It's the it's the lower frequency of the recording is Laurel, and that that's more for the older people. That they're saying that people who who hear Laurel ha, are hearing the lower frequency of it, which is supposed to be maybe like you, you know older ears. And the, the higher frequency is Yanni. So, like, if you take it into, like, if you edit it and you turn up the higher frequencies, it's going to say Yanni. If you turn down the lower frequencies, it's going to be Laurel. So. Okay, and the two times I've heard it, I've heard it on my computer speaker, which is just a little little tinny thing. And then we just heard it on uh, Jared's cell phone. So if you heard it on, a like, a car stereo or a nice stereo, would you hear it one way or the other? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that, that's, what it, that's what people are saying is the explanation. It's all about the frequency, whether your ears... You know, whether you have older ears or something like that or whatever you hear or, yeah, whatever speakers you're listening to. It's just it's crazy because, like, today we were at work and uh, there were, like, I don't know, eight of us in one of the control rooms and we were just all listening to it. And it was just so weird because two or three of us were saying it's Laurel every single time and the other ones were saying it's Yanni. So it's just so weird that we're all listening to the exact same thing but hearing something different. I I think... This might be a hot take, but I think it just has to do with all the rap music we've listened to, Matt and Noah, and Ted's just not in the same boat. <laughs> I like hey. being my Snoop Dogg. That's what I like. <laughs> I could, and some people are saying like it could be a mental thing because people are like, you know, if, if someone's telling you it's saying this, then you get it set in your head that it's going to be that. You know, it's kind of like that old the the blue and gold dress thing that was going on a couple years ago or right. whatever. Exactly. So I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but it, it is weird for sure. I'm kind of surprised when you said Snoop Dogg, you didn't say, like, Snoop, double D-O-G-G. double G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, where you didn't really understand. You know why I said Dog Snoop? Because I, he was just on Stern this week for a long interview, which was fantastic, by the way. I mean, when I think of Snoop Dogg, I think of just like last week's pod. You guys were talking about movie parties and Snoop Dogg at the party in old school. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a true yep. Snoop Dogg right there. Now, I know, Noah, before we wrap up this show, you're a, you're a big fan of the three-point pod, aren't you? I am. I've listened to all the shows. He when I, after every he always called me or texts me and he he always usually has something to say about uh, my takes. He really circles in on my takes. I've noticed on a good way or is he uh, giving way. you some constructive criticism? A bad way, <laughs> which is surprising. Point. I thought uh, with line. him joining, I, like I thought maybe you know my my generation rarely, very rarely represented. I feel like I'm kind of ganged up on sometimes. You are sometimes, but have you st- you set it up for us though. You dish it out, young man. True. That's why it, it's that's why. That's, That's okay. why Noah's in the show. I knew that it might turn into a three-on-one, you know, Magic Johnson. See how that goes, Matt? Brings in the reinforcements. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it how it goes. With the whole Magic Johnson take, <laughs> that came out of left field. What's next for Noah Jacobs? Just run, run a whole bunch summer. this summer and, uh, you know, maybe put in a couple nice hours behind the desk at Jacobs Insurance. Just ah, do there you go. Working. Say hi to the family. Yeah, absolutely. Give him a show. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, <laughs> Dad? Uh, Mom, Ben, Isaac, I'm sure three of you are at uh, Isaac's game right now. Hopefully he's hitting the ball finally. But uh, good luck to Ben this weekend at Regionals and the rest of the Corona Track team Friday at the Corona Track. If you guys are listening, come out. It should be a barn burner. You're working there, right? Jared, are you uh, doing the PA work or are you helping out on the track itself? Well, I won't be there till about midway through the race, so I'll be helping where I am needed. Mostly that just... Going to that stand for free food because uh, you work there, so that, you get free. It's a pretty good move. And, and Noah, have you had a chance to talk with your brother a lot about anything for track season at all? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's just just trying to run a little faster than he did last year, and so far he's hasn't quite got to where he wants to. But this is going to be a big weekend for qualifying to states and really setting it up well. And um, I'm sure he'll have to run 
a couple different events so the team can try and chase a regional championship just like we won last year. But Well, that Corona Cavalier track team and track program is just dominant, aren't they? Yeah, they've been really good as of late. And let me just say, Jacob's Insurance, great company. Great, hardworking family runs it. You know you're you know you're you're in the right hands with that company, without a doubt. All right, guys, that's it for now. And I just uh, want to remind our listeners: remember, share this pod with all your friends and give us your feedback. The best way is send us an email, and it's very simple to remember. It's threepointpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at z925 sports guy. Matt, you're at. Matt Burns, E381. And I'm at Jared Patel. Also, Jack Strap, who extended his vacation. He hopes to be back next week. He's at JackStrap88. Noah, I know you're on Twitter. At Noah underscore Jacobs22. Are we sure JackStrap didn't get uh, hired by a different uh, company? Maybe well, Hondo for, Carpenter picked him up? I, I believe <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he might be hooked up with Hondo. You never know. I mean, I've talked you know, to Hondo be, one time before. He'd fit right in on the Howard Stern show, by the way. Yes, he would. He'd be part of the WAC pack, that's for sure. <laughs> Would, yeah, yeah. I was going to tell Jared, if, if you do listen to it, I, I listen to the Stern Show sometimes. Be careful where you listen to it. <laughs> that's right. It's All not right, office friendly. That's for sure. I also want to thank our uh, sponsors, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our home here of the podcast, Z92.5, The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast. <laughs>